Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the NXT 2.0 review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Handler and Michael Sidgwick, to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT 2.0. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT 2.0, but also Raw, SmackDown, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews roundtable discussions on a round of the week complete with a quiz of course on wrestle culture as i said though joined by hamlet and sidgwick to review the pre-war games episode of nxt 2.0 hamlet how was it for you mostly rubbish because nxt 2.0 is mostly rubbish and yet concealed within this rubbish was in my opinion probably the best match in the history of 2.0 um, certainly That's the best two, two weeks we said last week's was really good as well with uh, Gargano and uh, was it Gargano? And yeah, the Carmelo? triple threat, and I th- and I think they topped it this week. And it should, <laughs> and unfortunately, it should come as no surprise. Much in the same way that Gargano steered things last week, it should come in no surprise that the like high quality in ring stuff featured nobody of the 2.0 era. Not really, anyway. Um, that's the reality of it, isn't it? There was green rookies doing green rookie stuff all over this card elsewhere. Um, and I just, I didn't know what to make of how good I thought one of the matches on the show was because it didn't need to be that great. And it doesn't feel like, I don't know about you, but like, I didn't feel particularly driven to war games as a pay-per-view this Sunday by this go home show. It wasn't super effective in that regard. It was just very, very boilerplate stuff. Um, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried that this show's becoming too dull. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to watch this show for good wrestling. I want to watch it for wacky debuts, stupid one-dimensional characters, idiotic Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard stuff. And again, it's a common theme, but when it's earnestly good, it's still never good enough. Like, the whole point was the show needed to change in some way because AEW had the match quality range, alternative spirit, if you like, locked down. So it didn't need to change NXT 2.0. So when it becomes... A pretty damn good, if not quite as electrifying thing that you get on a Wednesday. Like, what actually is the show? Mm. And I struggled with that question throughout. It's like, who was this for? <laughs> like, why am I watching? I mean, it's probably good if you're invested in WWE's future from a financial perspective, looking at someone like Bron Baker, uh, Bron Breaker doing an adequate or more than adequate job in the main event, but still not good enough as a viewing experience for me to give a toss about. Yeah, I thought it was uh, interesting. Like you say, there was I thought the opening match was was brilliant uh, between Kaylee Ray and, and Dakota Kai. But like you both alluded to there, that was never the issue. <laughs> Kaylee Ray and Dakota Kai were never the problem with WWE and with NXT in particular. And let's be honest, they're probably not going to be the focus going forward, despite how sensational they are. It's such a weird place to be. And it's going to be very interesting when we get to like, well, if we get to it, a year of NXT 2.0 because like you said we had this explosion this splash of color this you know much needed change to NXT but now I don't know what the end goal is what's you know developed talent obviously but it's just such a jumble right now of of 
old hands there to seemingly put over people, but then also seemingly there or seemingly accidentally outshining them in that process and stop, start booking from other people. Like there was a video package on this show for what was his name? Idris something or other. Uh, and I thought, oh, great. Oh, here he is. And then he lost. And I went, what's happening? <laughs> what's this? And then we got possessed, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Let's start next for Boa. Yeah. <laughs> copy for next week. Sorry. Uh, okay. So we start off and the teams are, are stomping about like there's some kind of West Side Story backstage. Uh, Dakota Kai's there. Uh, she's crazy, by the way. Uh, and she's flanked by uh, Toxic Attraction. And then Kaylee Ray's there, of course. She's representing the other team, flanked by Eo Shirai, Raquel Gonzalez, Cora J. Big brawl to start things off as they walk down the entrance aisle together. Um, and then the match just kicks off immediately. Dakota Kai and Kaylee Ray, they get into the ring. Kaylee Ray immediately kicks Kai as hard as she can and then dives onto her on the outside to, to start things off. And you knew you were going to be in a good one for the moment that kicked off. Um so uh, we've got Kaylee Ray, she's got the ladder on the outside, but Dakota Kai's pulling it, doing that pull and push thing, and then Kai gets sent into the apron and then super kicked in the head. Kaylee Ray is dominating here. She's on fire, uh, but then Kai reverses her, uh, sends her into the ring steps. Uh, this sort of, sort of Sister Abigail-esque move onto the, uh, onto the ring steps. Um, so Kai is then uh, all over the place, grabbing ladders, you know, attacking her around ringside. Um but then Kaylee Ray tope suicidas to cut cut off Dakota Kai. And then they are back in the ring. Kai suplexed onto the ladder, effing and jeffing all over the place, understandably, as a result of that. Uh, they're both trying to climb the ladder and grab that briefcase to give them the advantage before war games. And then Kaylee Ray gets caught in a sort of tree of woe on the outside bit of the turnbuckle. And Dakota Kai jumps off the top rope, double stomps her. Um, and it looks like she's going to, you know, finish her off basically, but then Kaylee Ray counters gory bomb on Dakota Kai onto the announce desk. They eventually, you know, that Kaylee Ray has been uh, injured her leg and that's been targeted by Dakota Kai, but they crawl their way to the tops of the ladder and they're battering each other at the top of it. Kaylee Ray takes a big bump off that and then Dakota Kai hits that double stomp off the ladder. I felt sure that was going to be the finish, but soon Kaylee Ray is back up. Uh, Dakota Kai gets the Legs pulled through the ladder spot. So again, she's in a sort of tree of woe on the ladder. Kaylee Ray super kicks her, climbs the ladder, grabs the briefcase, and the baby faces get the advantage heading into War Games Siege. I'm probably not going to be as high as Hamlet was on this match. So we'll do the bad news, good news deal, I guess. And I'll take this one first. One spot I want to put over was pretty much the first spot in the entire match. What an incredible dive that mm. was. And what a great catch as well. Yes. It genuinely felt like you, you, you have like two sort of reactions when you see a spot like this. One, you get thrilled by how awesome it looks. And then two, because you've got a moral conscience, you want to see oh, how much did they actually eat? And it was like, <laughs> no, whatsoever. The catch was imperceptible. It just was totally precise, very spectacular, really, really good. Um, I thought this benefit from the fact that it wasn't there were some great spots in it, mm -hmm. but they just felt like they were trying to put the other one away. And the ladder by modern standards was integrated almost seamlessly yeah. into the action. Where it really fell down for me was the finish because Dakota Kai's foot came loose at the worst possible time. And you could notice that she tried to do it subtly, but like she kind of put the foot back into a trapped position. Mm -hmm. Like she'd kind of inadvertently got herself free. So she had to like trap herself again. And she kind of had to look like a bit of an idiot. Um, maybe the selling from the double foot stomp wasn't what it could have been considering how great the spot was. I think that's more of a move that you put into a multi-person ladder match. Yeah. Because you can better get away with it because when there's other action that obscures how long or how little they sell it just works a lot better but like this was unvarnished really well crafted for the most part and about the nicest thing i could possibly say about it is that i'm done with ladder matches i was done by ladder matches after this ladder match and i still got a little bit of that giddy ghoulish thrill that they used to provide mm. yeah i would echo that specifically in terms of ladder matches and um 
well, most wrestling matches across all of WWE, the job of the wrestlers to decently and genuinely entertaining is to pierce that film that sort of exists over all of it, that feeling of it being overproduced, the feeling of ladder matches themselves being overdone and the gimmick being left for dead. And I think that was the biggest achievement of this, what I thought was just an excellent, excellent match. And I think they might have done it within the first few seconds. Between that dive and the first fight they had with the ladder uh, at ringside, mm. I was totally and utterly drawn into this. It just felt that they have to, WWE wrestlers specifically, have to like search around in the dark for an energy that they're not permitted to give to their matches a lot of the time. It's ridiculous. Like wrestling shouldn't be this way. But we know this to be so overproduced that that's what they're forced to do. And it's not surprising that Dakota Kai and Kaylee Ray manage this. NXT 2.0, for all its ludicrous flaws, of which there are many, especially ones that harm women on the show, is still a better stage for women than Raw and SmackDown. Like, and what an indictment that is on Raw and SmackDown, by the way. But ultimately, this show somehow, and I don't know how, can apparently still exist to put forth a match like this while talent of their yeah. standard remain on the show. They won't be there forever, but while talent of their standard remain on the show, there was like minimal slow climbing here. This was who can do the absolute hardest thing of the other so that slow climbing isn't a thing. And when I am climbing the ladder, I'm climbing it because I'm going to grab the briefcase, not because I need to uh, have a slug fest with you at the top of it. Like I, I love that they lent upon that and there was such a great amount of trust that they would, that they could do the things they could do to each other. The stuff they did around the announce table was just brutal looking. An announce table, another thing that is totally overused, something that like WWE, especially in NXT, goes to all the time. Um, so much so that there was takeovers where the thing was getting rebuilt mid-show. So they could <laughs> use it like more than once. And it just felt so brutal. The announce table here felt in the way of the fight that the two women were having to try and decimate their opponent enough to be able to shimmy up a ladder and get the briefcase, which I just thought was such an inspired way to do this because they're so, Kelly Ray and Dakota Kai are so credible. Um, it was something of a relief, I guess. I don't know how condescending it is. This is this is as a take. It was something of a relief to see these two in this ladder match instead of throwing out two of them greener wrestlers. Yeah. They're going to be in a double kit. They're going to be in a double cage match as it is on Sunday. That's kind of risky enough without needlessly risking injury here. So it was just great to see them being given this time. And it was time. Like it felt like a, a nice amount of time without ever outstaying its welcome. And I potentially, you know, I don't, it's ridiculous that babyfaces win war games. We go over this all the time. It shouldn't happen. That's why you have coin flips because it's the fairest way to do it. But um, Dakota Kai, judging from the action of reaction of toxic attraction, has already alienated herself from the group. And this either leads to a babyface turn or an exit outright from NXT 2.0 for Dakota Kai. It feels like the story coming off the back of this defeat. So I, I, I like that, even though I wish it hadn't come in the form of the babyface winning the advantage for war games. Yeah, I love this match. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a ladder match. So like you say, it's cutting corners a little bit. And uh, my God, we've seen enough, enough of these ladder matches. But yeah, I thought these two women worked perfectly. Like you say, they're just sort of tinged with disappointment. Like, this was great, but this isn't why NXT 2.0 is about. And certainly these women aren't, uh, which is a real shame because they're so talented. I just hope that WWE either transitions them onto the main roster to do more stuff like this, like you say, or another company sees what they can do because... My God, they're just so good together. Uh, right, then we got a, a quick recap of the uh, hair versus hair setup from the previous week. Uh, and then uh, Grimes obviously getting confronted by Andre Chase backstage, taking the piss out of him. And Grimes tells him to go to hell. And then Andre Chase has cut this promo on Twitter where he says that sort of behavior won't be tolerated. It's to set up a brief squash match. But before we get that, oh, what they've done to my boys. The Grizzled Young Veterans. They're in the backstage area. They're trying to break into, I assume, one of Rogs Johnson's uh, lockers yeah. or whatever he's sodding called. Uh, and they're being sneaky. And James Drake's got a little lock pick and he's on the lookout. And Zach Gibson's trying to pick the lock. And then in comes Ikamin Jiro to, oh, shush, be quiet. We're, going to, we're doing a very sensitive operation. You're doing a very sensitive operation. That's the gimmick, basically. And Kashida shows up and blah, blah, blah. Lots of shushing, load of bollocks. And then Brogs and Johnson turn up and they, they like it. I just hate all this. Let's call this out for what it is. It's very racist. Yeah. It's incredibly racist. And the worst thing about this, it's not as if Ikemen Jiro was misunderstanding 
English words that he's not yet fluent in um, saying or comprehending. It was like worse than that. They were just getting shushed. Mm. It's like a universal language for be quiet, but this doddering idiot mm. can't even understand an English speaker saying shh. And then, you know, he says a quiet part loud because, you know, he just doesn't get it. He's an imbecile. <laughs> um, yes, it's just fairly disgusting, if I'm being perfectly honest. It doesn't benefit anyone. Crystal Young veterans are doing a cartoonish, amplified version of actual wrestling cheating because you have to be pummeled over the head with things that aren't <laughs> professional wrestling in this stupid brand. Um, retrograde in extreme characterization. I don't want to see any of the uh, any of the matches that might stem from this. Um, this is the worst of NXT 2.0. Like not even perversely entertaining. Just you can laugh to a degree at how woefully out of touch the new management unit is, but not when you realize just how awful they are as human beings. Yep. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know if I'm more uncomfortable with the notion that I'm supposed to be finding this funny or the visual that I've got of Breeze Pritchard doing a big belly laugh, believing it still to be hilarious and believing it still to be on as well, that you could still do this and put it out on television. Um, I, like nonsense and rubbish as a pro wrestling angle, but I racist. And it's we probably tried to avoid using the word um, as relates to jacket time in general, but it's been there. The whole time, and there's it, what was previously maybe an undercurrent just felt a bit more overt this week, so it only became more uncomfortable. Then we got uh, Andre Chase versus. Still love that boy. Um, and like this is my <laughs> perfect match, this Andre Chase and, and, and Cameron Grimes. Chase did get some offense in. He uh, got a two count off the back of a neck breaker. He even's got this new thing where he stumps on them and spells out Chase, which I really like. Uh, but yes, it's Grimes's you know, win to have to set up the hair versus hair match. Chase goes for a body slam. Grimes slides out into the ropes. Uh, Rana from Cameron Grimes. Big splash in the corner a few times. Cave in one, two, three. And it was all about the post-match. And he's got some funny images, Michael Sidgwick. Duke bloody Hansen's on the podium. Uh, he congratulates Grimes on the match. Says, hey, well done on winning your last match with a full head of hair. And he says, let's see what you could look like after Sunday. And he's He's cut his hair to make him look like a Karen, or he's just got long hair on one side. This is your thing. We said there'd be a Karen on yeah, the show. Called it. Uh, he's got it where it's just long on one side. He's got a bowl cut, and he says, Oh, everyone probably looks like that where you're from with the mustache and everything. Don't have a go on mustaches. So, you know. Well, that's pretty good. Still donate, November. Adam Wilborn on Twitter. There's links there. Um, and then the funniest one of the girls is Cameron Grimes. His head completely bald. Uh, and he says, oh, people on the internet are telling me that makes you just look evil. Genuinely, I saw that and thought it was Harland for a second, by the way, when I saw that bald <laughs> Cameron Grimes. No one on the internet's talking about NXT 2.0, so that's a little bollocks. <laughs> he said everyone on the internet is saying how much more handsome it's going to make Cameron Grimes. Uh, he's going to make him bald. He's going to give him a reason to cry, all that stuff. So Grimes just rolls out of the ring and tries to shave Andre Chase's head, uh, but one of his students thankfully saves him. And so Grimes gets on the mic and said, at War Games, you're the one getting shaved bald, Duke Hudson. And Hudson, I don't know, didn't see that threat coming? What, do you not consider that the alternative to him shaving him and making him look like a twat is Duke Hudson's going to get his head shaved bald? You know what's really going to captivate the um, much sought after 18 to 49 demographic? Tron gags. <laughs> <laughs> Who likes Tron gags? It's obviously Vince. Ah, I'm different than I'm uh, Sorry, where are my manners? I'm different than I'm You know what it's like? You know, of, oh my God. Light bulb moment. Go on. You know what Vince McMahon sounds like in real life? What? Roddy Piper in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Nobody really wants him to be around. Uneasiness when he's in the shop. They both drop M bombs. Yes. Tron gags are terrible, aren't they? Like, I, I want to put over Andre Chase a little bit because he is, um, I think he is proof of concept, if proof be needs be, um, that NXT <laughs> 2.0 could work with lots of better wrestlers or ones that are as good as Andre Chase. He is an in-character jobber 
that repeatedly is perfect for the one, two, three week mini angle to support something bigger going on around him. And if they had six or seven of those, then you're probably going to build a few stars. But they've really only got one. They believe they've got six or seven. And they were seeing these like green guys and girls go out there and like endanger themselves, taking bumps on television when they shouldn't be. But Andre Chase is, is the best of this lot. This was what, like three minutes? And Andre Chase three minute squashes are never dull because he's a real entertaining job at the stars. And there's no sort of, you're not dragged into this idea that he's, maybe he's going to pick up his win tonight. He's just there to take his lumps and you get half decent character stuff in the build up to it. Yeah. Um, I wish there was more, I wish there was more wrestlers as ready for this specific role as Andre Chase appears to be. Um, and it's just, it's just a shame there isn't because I think that's what they're attempting with about six or seven different wrestlers and it, it can only really work with him. Also as well, just a quick note on Cameron Grimes. It's a bit of a stretch perhaps, but of all the times to say, oh, Grimes, how stupid would you look with a haircut when he is literally coming out there looking the best he's ever looked with a bit of a haircut? Yeah, I know. Have you noticed that? Like of all the times, it's like, oh, they've just like neatened up a little bit. Actually, it's a real improvement. And it's like, how daft are you going to look if we smarten you up a little bit more? Like... That's, that's just them being rubbish. Uh, we then get that vignette I mentioned earlier for, I think his name was Idris Inofe. Uh, he talks about growing up, struggling, the doubt was wanting him to fail, then transitioning into the military and finding the same doubt as when he came back. And he talks about his opponent, Solo Sokoa. They're not that different, but regardless, uh, he's going to prove his doubters wrong tonight. I thought it was a great setup for this guy, just introducing him out of nowhere. And then he... Well, we'll talk about what happened to him a little bit later on, because next we had team, whatever they're called, NXT 2.0 in the ring. Uh, and it's been revealed that Gargano is the one representing team old guys or whatever they're called. Um, <laughs> they asked how they feel about it. Carmelo Hayes starts us off because he's just a great promo. Uh he uh, says he's the future of the NXT. Well, they all are the future of the NXT. They're the dream team. As far as Johnny wrestling goes, he's done it all in NXT. He's had all the big moments. Uh, he's not telling Gargano to share. He's saying, run me my plate. And when he shoots, he doesn't miss. Grayson Bloody Waller then speaks up and he talks about the old guard wanting them to carry their bags. But this is, you know, all about social media and uh, sports entertainment. It's a different mm. world. Hot dogs and handshakes are a thing of the past, basically. Um, he's really targeting L.A. Knight, who's just an older version of him. And he mentions that he's got a new T-shirt that just says the Grayson Waller effect, whatever that bloody is. Brian Breaker comes on and talks about Champa calling him a puppy and shooting on him and doing all the references to his dad and his uncle and what have you. Talks about his uh, uh, Champa talking about his experience over him, but it doesn't matter. We're going to beat the old guard at war games and then he's coming for the NXT championship. And then the real promo steps up. It's time for Tony to talk, huh? Giving a microphone touch. Uh, he says, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. You say something about gold? Hey, uh, I know a thing I'll do about that myself. And he uh, pulls out his little gold chain around his neck. He says, I mean, well, look at me, huh? Ah, enough about me. <laughs> he says, these four guys, these four guys we're facing, hey, don't get me wrong, they paved the road that we are walking on the way to war games right now. Am I right? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm walking here. <laughs> oh, I, I, by the end of this by the way and he says uh, hey am i uh, am i right but you know i've been looking at that road and it's got a few potholes huh i see potholes <laughs> that need to be filled and we're gonna fill them with your heads starting with you bd poppins i'm coming for you he says uh, this sunday at war games <laughs> you guys better bring your best because you're gonna need it and uh, I like Fingy going, talk that talk, Tony, in the background. Uh, and then they I love tricking her. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's great, man. Like, man. Uh, and they reveal uh, who the NXT universe has picked to represent 2.0. And it's Braun Breaker. Um, Breaker says, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you picked me and I'll gladly fight. Tony D'Angelo's promos uh, to Italics. Yeah, it, it helps. Uh, I think it helps. Uh, it helps everyone <laughs> get in the character. Get in the character. Huh? Uh, anyway, here comes Johnny Gargano. And he says, These NXT kids live in a unicorn filled fantasy land. And uh, he says, Oh, you're going to beat the guys who put NXT on the map. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, if it wasn't good for guys like me, you wouldn't have a ring to stand in. He says, But hey, 
Craig, you get the opportunity tonight. The big bad booty nephew himself says, look, I'm out here all by myself. And there's a chant for the big bad booty nephew stuff. And he says, look, you got to show you these people. You're not just a big bad booty nephew. You're a man. <laughs> Tell your team to stay home tonight. Give the people what they want. Breaker versus Gargano, one-on-one, and Breaker agrees. Before we talk about this promo, see, do you want to tell us what we taught your son last night before the football game we went to? Yes, absolutely. So James, my son, and Adam Wilborn decided to together think, you know what, it was a disappointing result, but we decided to forget about it! <laughs> so apologies to Mrs. Sidgwick for that one. He did it. We sort of we said, "Oh, yes, yes, yes." He picked up immediately, including the hand gestures, by the way. And he popped the boys, obviously, Kids. and then just that like popped him as well. It was fantastic to see. Kids love this uh, horrendous stereotype stuff because <laughs> I had a similar, I had a similar one with my youngest, and a few weeks ago when he, when Tony first arrived, and I pushed it. And he was copying that much that I eventually moved on to Eddie Kingston. I got him saying, "And I swear on my beautiful mother's eyes." <laughs> My wife wasn't a massive fan of that. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, what did you make of uh, this well, promo train, effectively? Um, it, oh, I don't know. Uh, you did a better job of the Tony D'Angelo stuff than Tony D'Angelo, I think. I don't, I don't like getting to watch him in very, very pro wrestling situations. Like when he started talking about potholes, I wanted him to mention another Sopranos family name member of somebody that works in concrete that was going <laughs> to go and fill it rather than an actual wrestling reference. Um, they're having the cake and farting on it too a bit with this Steiner breaker stuff, aren't they? Yeah, I mentioned me off at this point. they do a Steiner joke every week and the guy's still called Bron Breaker. And history tells us that when you rely more on the uncle rather than the father for a second-generation wrestler, we can expect to see Rick Steiner printed on a table any day now. When uh, <laughs> That's going to be part of, like, one of Bron Breaker's big stories. Uh, that's, that's a little bit annoying. Like, I'm not one of the, like, I'm not one of the people too gotten to by the idea that he's Bron Breaker and not Bron Steiner, even though loads about him is Steiner-esque, his gear, his promo style, the fact that people go, ooh, ooh, like his dad, all that sort of stuff. But then when you're just doing Steiner bits maybe just give up the ghost and go with it and just acknowledge it. Um, so I, I, oh, I don't know. I, 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 the only thing, not much of this was believable, but nothing was as unbelievable as the idea that the NXT universe voted for Johnny Gargano. Like they've got so little engagement. This was probably one of them like Twitter polls where there's only a one follower account and there were just three votes on it and they all like voted for Johnny. <laughs> well, looks looks like it's me. I like the way they're really trying to establish because some of them are feuds. Champa Breakers are feud. Carmelo Hayes Gargano is a feud. LA Knight, Grayson Waller, and Tony D'Angelo and Petey Pappins aren't really feuds, but they're all like, it's me and you. And this just so happens to be, you know, three other guys who've also got grievances against the other three men that you're teaming with. I mean, absolutely. Right. Okay. I'm going to invoke the dreaded AEW comparison, right? Uh-oh. So you've got two options. You can either skip ahead by about a minute, minute and a half, or you can take a walk outside and touch grass. <laughs> I think the cleverest thing AEW's done all year, Little Key, is they've decided to make canon the four pillars at exactly the right time people thought, oh, they're going to be minimized when um, Danielson, mm. Punk, and Adam Cole come in. The timing of this four pillars being canon, of them strapping up Guevara, of them having them feud with one another to make it feel like as hot as anything on full gear. Meanwhile, Jungle Boy, oh, you know what I'm talking about. When they've done this very ambitious, precision-timed story, I'm watching the show and thinking, that's not a reach. That's what's perfect about it as well. I see MJF on the level of CM Punk in a mm-hmm. verbal spa. Like, you see MJF and Darby Allen having that incredible match at full gear that was equal to virtually anything else on the card. It's like they are showing and telling at the same yeah. time. I get the absolute opposite energy <laughs> when I'm watching this program game <laughs> with the, the, the new blood. It's WCW 2000, it's, yeah, it's, it's not the... It's, the V could be new blood or four pillars, and they are new blood. Just, yeah. I like trick... Yeah, I like trick. Trick rules. Carmelo rules as well, but you just see the size of them and just think, you poor bastard. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, we go backstage. Uh, Mackenzie's there with Legado del Fantasma talking about their match with uh, Van Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly <laughs> later on for the number one contendership. Uh, he says, look, we've beaten him before. We'll do it again tonight. There's no excuses. Uh, and Santos Escobar tells him to go out there and pick up the win. Uh, and Electro Lopez says, after War Games, Legado will be draped in gold. And then we cut to the MSK travel yet again. Uh, they are just a half a mile from their destination. And Carter says, oh, nothing can go wrong. Lee says, why would you say something like that? And then the, the car recalibrates. And they, oh, which one's left? Which one's right? I'm too stoned. <laughs> and then, like, the car's navigation system starts shooting on him, calls Carter a dipsh, and then says... Uh, you've arrived at your destination. It's about flipping time. Took you five weeks. And then uh, Lee's like, oh, this navigation system better watch his ass. And the, the nav says, no, you better watch your ass. And then Lee tries to fight it. Regardless, they're here. They've finally made it. They're going to meet the shaman. And they get to the door and they're all nervous. And Lee knocks on it and the door opens. And there's, there's a, a, a silhouette uh blinding uh, light that's shining from behind them and then just before we find out who it is the camera cuts away and beth phoenix has to do the whole oh no i wanted to see who it was yeah. i mean i not as much as the nxt 2.0 audience mind you i hate msk it's just the wwe <laughs> effect in nxt 2.0 is very much just conflated with wwe like one of the same entity I hate them. The scripting is terrible. Their acting is abysmal. If they do, they've obviously got chemistry with their mates and look at them in the ring, which is where I prefer to see them, to be quite honest yes. with you. I think this is so lame. They come across as so unlikable. It's wrestling in context. Like, there's a curve for comedy and et cetera, et cetera. But, like, imagine this being a film. Because it is essentially a series of scenes that if you put them all together it's like a film they're on the way to find the shaman dude dude where's my shah man yeah, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't even my shah this is pathetic <laughs> this is pathetic they are incredibly unlikable and i know they aren't i mean i thought their impact stuff was cringe as well but like this is even worse just put them in a ring why aren't they wrestling five weeks Pissing about with this crap. I mean, if it gets to RVD, then I'll almost allow it. I'm flipped. Yeah, I hope um, Rob and Dam's at War Games because then if we do any post show content on it, we've got somebody to put in the thumbnail that people might click to read about. 
Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Right, now it's time for the number one contendership match. Legado do Fantasma, Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wild against Kyle O'Reilly and his best mate, the guy with the biggest heart, uh, Von Wagner. <laughs> uh, it's the same match. It's the best Von Wagner match I think I've seen, which is a low bar, but even so. He's massive. He's a big old bloke. He has weird... I didn't like his trunks or whatever he's wearing, his tights. Um, he does the big chuck people about stuff, and Kyle O'Reilly does the slightly technical stuff, but enough of that bollocks. time for you to get double-teamed, basically. That's what happened. Uh, Von Wagner starts off chucking Raul Mendoza about, but then when O'Reilly's in there, Legado take over. Um, finally, uh, O'Reilly sweeps Mendoza's leg, gets him down. Um, in the midst of all this, by the way, Zion Quinn has come out, uh, and slowly walked around ringside whilst the dance break happens, presumably, because by the time we came back, he then finally starts brawling with Santos Escobar as they uh, brawl away. O'Reilly makes it to uh, Van Wagner. Uh, he gets the hot tag, comes in. Actually, Mendoza hit a really nice spot, a double springboard missile dropkick. Uh, and there's an O'Reilly and, and a whacking wild trading strikes, trading counters. They're great, those two together. Yeah, more of that sort of thing. But that's not what NXT is all about nowadays, is it? Anyway, uh, Van Wagner, uh, low bridges to uh, send one of them spilling over the top. And then O'Reilly and, and Wagner hit that high-low combo. I've seen somewhere else before. Um, Wagner pins Whacking Wild. One, two, three. They are the number one contenders for Imperium. Uh, and we cut backstage where Imperium are there chatting in German. And they say, oh, actually, I suppose speak English because all these bloody hick idiots won't be able to understand. It doesn't matter. And then Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner come in uh, and say that despite the fact we're a team of misfits, we're one win away from the tag titles. And then uh, Von Wagner signs up with, we'll see you at war games. Dumbasses. <laughs> I mean, dumbass. Oh, <laughs> 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 one of my Hamlet's favorite things ever. I, ever in the entire world is the way that big boss man, yeah, 1999, I believe it was. Yeah, it's like D E R M E H S S. Dumbass, it's fine, and I don't care about it. I love the word dumbass, dumbass, dumbass. But the best thing about the word dumbass is when someone with a dumbass voice says it. Yeah. Because Big Boss Man's got one of the stupidest voices of all time, God rest his soul. I was a huge fan. Yeah. Uh, but like when it's like it's, it's like AJ Styles saying dumbass. Do you have anything that really winds up? Get a brain moron. Do you have anything that really <laughs> instantly winds your missus up? Because that's when I say to Anne Louise, like, it's over there, dumbass. Like instantly. <laughs> yeah. The thing, I don't know why I would do this deliberately, but you know, I do it at times. You've seen that Parks and Rec? Yeah. She absolutely hates John Raffi. <laughs> 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 Every now and then. Uh, <laughs> but she absolutely <laughs> cannot stand him. John Ralphio is in the Hamlet House discourse as we speak because the kids were watching the Sonic the Hedgehog film and he yeah. plays the voice of ben Sonic. So I, so I was going, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> Turning the John Ralphio up to 11. I, uh, I found out this morning um, that my better half only has a certain tolerance for when you're hanging up your stockings on the walls. Turns out uh, some people have a limit for that. I didn't get it. I just assumed you wanted to listen to it all over and then start it all over again. We listened to that twice in the office today. Yeah, we listened to yes. it. And Amy came back down um, and said, what was that you just listened to? Oh, time for a reload. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, just quickly on the match because it was boring. Yeah. Um, I've you're gonna have to fill me in on what I assume has been the heated online discourse about von Wagner's long boys. That must have just been all the wrestling conversation was about. <laughs> should, stick with the, should he go with the trunks or the fight shorts? What I'll have a difficulty having that much heated discussion with his 3,000 Twitter followers. Oh, <laughs> Thrice as many as that. Right. Uh, time for another highlight on the show. It's time for a Tiffany Stratton vignette, ladies and gentlemen. And it goes, journal entry, Tiffany's epiphanies. Oh, my God. Oh, you weren't here for this last week, were you? Uh, I wish I was dead. 
day I was born, my daddy called me his little princess. And princesses should always drive the coolest cars, shop at the nicest boutiques, and wear the hottest clothes. And there's like, if you've been watching, I've been, I, I say forced, I've kind of got into it. I'm Team Chrishell. I've been watching Selling Sunset. Sunset. There's loads of music mixed in, like, I'm rich, bitch. Like, that's everything. They're just doing, you know, setup shots of, like, Louis Vuitton and a Mercedes Benz. Love a funny girl to Alabama goddamn slam. And Tiffany continues. I mean, who even looks at the price tag of anything anyways? They're just a bunch of numbers. Where I shop, Black, drop my ass a little bit when she said that, Friday and Cyber Monday doesn't exist. My daddy says I can be anything I want, and I want to be an NXT superstar. Why? It's a good job you've already got money, Rob, <laughs> because you won't get paid nothing. <laughs> Why would you want to be an NXT? At least say Raw SmackDown, <laughs> and your attitude could be. Well, she's, she's given up on that promising tennis career from last week, Hamlet. <laughs> I've already, I've already completed 205 Live. You don't want to bury the show on purpose by saying, I'm going to bypass this. I don't want to do a voice mix. It's sick. <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking of here. It's absolutely crap, isn't it? You didn't see it. Was that it was the first week last week? I, I, it was the one time <laughs> various like contrarians that I follow on Twitter were like, it's rubbish. Let's laugh at this one. Kevin Dunn hates women, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Just absolutely fucking hates them. I'm a dumb fat bitch without a thought, without a thought in my head. Like you had, you had uh, earlier on. You had, I know, you had Draco Anthony later on in the show, oh, and Jesus, you so much left. And you had Idris Enofe, just nice, brilliant setups. I mean, Draco Anthony was just sitting in a, sitting in a cafe, I think. But Idris Idris Enofe, like, on this show in particular, I was talking about this last week. Is the like stark difference between a character and a gimmick? Yeah. Like he he talks about the things that have happened in his life that have shaped him as a person, but at least he's a human being. She's a cartoon. If it wasn't shopping bags or a tennis racket, it'd be a skateboard. Yeah. Anyway, let's rapidly move on to oh good. Joe Gacy's all <laughs> all inclusive invitational. Yeah. Uh he's got three people uh joining him in the ring. Uh, uh, a man who is small, uh, a woman, and a big guy, basically. Uh, and he says uh, the, the, the reign of cruiserweight champion Roderick Strong has created a toxic and unrealistic environment for the NXT universe and all of its competitors. In his world, the NXT universe will no longer have a height requirement, gender bias, or weight shaming. Uh, so tonight, he is going to take on all three of these competitors um, to give him, give, get them to give their best in front of the world as he prepares to dethrone Strong at NXT, not War Games, conflict resolution. And he batters the little guy, gut rage power bombs in one, two, three, and then he's about to wrestle a woman. Then he gets interrupted by Diamond Mine. Thank God Malcolm Bivens comes down and says, oh, you done done it now. You've got a legitimate fighter here in Roderick Strong. This is history. You are right, Joe Gacy, because this is the first and bloody last inclusivity invitational. Um, look, Gacy says, look, one, all of you just stay, because it's all a diamond mine, all of you just stay outside so I can talk to Strong in person. And again, Bivin says, oh, you messed up now. And uh, Gacy asks, um, just allow Strong to speak for himself. And Strong says, I'm done talking, attacks Joe Gacy, who sort of fights back and hits that handspring lariat of his. And that's the end of it, Hamlet. Rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. Um, nobody is likeable. Like everybody's a heel, but that would imply that like there's a great deal of care coming for these characters from this like fiercely loyal crowd. The risks they're putting their health out to go and sit in a mask in the NXT dome and watch this nonsense. And even they're not responding too much to the Joe Gacy thing. The Joe Gacy thing continues to be them going on. They do the same thing that Sidgwick does for the Tony D'Angelo predictor, where looking for terms, various like mafia terms, they're doing that for what these bloody millennials are talking about now, and then just feed them a Joe Gacy to use in any context he likes. He's got that one good move, so he has to do it, which doesn't at all feel tied to his character. No, really. It's like, do, do the thing, Joe Gacy. Um, this is lousy. And yet, like, in and of itself, Gacy versus Roderick Strong could be okay. I have no idea off the back of these characters. 
but like theoretically as a match stripped of all of this nonsense and all of these gimmicks could be, could be passable I'll never know or care I couldn't care less about this it's the exact same Joe Gacy segment every single week where he's the heel because he says things that are ostensibly nice but with a bad motive because everyone's on the on the on a, on a liberal left there's liberal loonies and uh yeah this I don't think it's actually passable at all. I think there's be a bunch of well executed moves struck with perhaps a certain intensity, given that strong's in there, that will not move me in any emotional way whatsoever because I don't know who the baby face is, I don't know who the heel is, I don't care about any of them. Uh, the dynamic's gonna be completely all wrong. I'm desperate for a piss. <laughs> Uh, Mackenzie's chatting with Solo Sokoa ahead of his match with Idris Inoufei. Uh Talks about the fact that they were both in the military, but this isn't the military. And then Boa comes in and he's like, basically, I'm possessed. Oh, I'm getting possessed. But he can't say that because he's saying it in his language. And Solo Sokoa says, I can't understand you, pal. And just walks off. Imagine being an Asian person watching the show. Honestly. Um, when you used to tune in and see Asuka and Io Shirai and yeah, anyway, we get Solo Sokoa versus Idris Inoufe. Um, Sokoa dominates early on, sort of swinging rock bottom for a, for an early uh, pinfall attempt. Uh, Bobby Stone, Robert Stone's watching in the aisle, making notes. I mean, look what he can do for your career. Um, and then uh, Idris Inoufe gets to shine for a brief while. He uh, gets in a shot of his own, hits a standing moonsault. He looks a really good talent. Uh, just a weird way to showcase him this, to give him this vignette and then have him lose clean. But anyway... Solo Sokoa hits him with the Samoan drop. It's that big super fly splash of his. One, two, three. And then post-match, Boa runs in. He's got black and white paint over his face. He death grips uh, uh, Sokoa. And then Idris Inoufe makes the save. So then he grabs him in the death grip and Sokoa bites him off. And they make friends, Inoufe and Sokoa. But if Boa is possessed, Sage? No, I don't know about that. I don't care about that. Um, at the risk of sounding like a hypocrite, because I'm probably going to preview um, tonight's Dynamite and say something to the effect of, um, you know, CM Punk can be a bit of a prick. And it's going to be pretty cool if perhaps he's a bit of a prick in his match against Lee Moriarty, because his being a prick against Lee Moriarty suggests that Moriarty has got, not his number, but enough about him mm. to pose a serious threat to CM Punk, and CM Punk flicks that switch and does something a little bit heelish in the match. It'll be really cool because it will put over the idea that Moriarty needs, like, need to be a bit of a knob to put him away, basically. Um, so when I say something on this podcast about who's the heel and who's the babyface, people might think, oh, what difference does it make? You said that, like, three hours later. If you're going to have characters, right, that are not characters, but they are just one-dimensional people with a background or a thing that they have. Street fighter, ex-military man. Yeah, like, if you're going to be so basic about your storytelling, there's no depth there. There's zero depth. There's no presence. <laughs> NXT fans got excited because they thought you said the D word for a split second. There. Yeah. He said, oh, no, he said depth. It's fine. There's no semblance to the fact that these are athletes working in a emulation of a sporting league so you can't have these nuances you can't have these strategies you can't have these conversations about technique and whatever you have to have who's the goody and who's the baddie because that's how stupid all of this is so i'm asking who's the goody and who's the baddie because i watched this match and i had no idea they've kind of presented like it's solo school like a tweener character who has no real alignment i guess he's fought from underneath in a triple threat match a month ago or whatever it was and i'm just thinking this was just a lot of competently performed moves performed by irrelevant people who aren't over happening in front of me. There's no story of which to speak. I can't invest in anyone because these are cartoon characters. Just make it silly. Don't overcomplicate your dynamics. Make it stupid because that's the only value the stupid show has. And the thing is, when the stupid thing actually happens, it almost feels like it makes more sense within the context of 2.0 than the serious stuff. These are two serious guys having this serious competitive back and forth and who's going to be the one to take like a first footing in NXT. And then they have to stop what they're doing and deal with the guy that's possessed by demons and, and, or, a sick, and or a sickness bug. It, like you, you, those two things together. And yet the guy, Boa, looks like he's more like in keeping with this world, this universe they've established and the rules within it than the two like potentials that's what they are they've both got they're, they're not fully formed now 
they were both a little bit hesitant here, I thought. As half decent as this was, it was just another case of, ah, oh, God, this wouldn't need to be on telly yet if it didn't, if it wasn't an obligation for it to exist. Um, and then you send out a, somebody possessed by a demon or something like that, and they have to put their differences to one side and deal with the mythical creature. It's like, couldn't you just like tell the local authorities about this mythical creature and maybe have that dealt with so you can get back to wrestling? <laughs> yeah, it's just all over this bloody show. There's a bit after this where, have I missed something? Is there a new character that they've introduced and I've just not seen this? Someone was just sleeping in their pyjamas in the background of the next segment. Is that, is that someone they've just not introduced yet? Indy Harwell and Persia Prata are there. They're about to have their tag match. Indy Harwell gets a call and they say, Dexter Lumis has gone missing from the hospital. She looks concerned. And then there's just a shot of someone in their pajamas as they walk off. Have I missed someone? No, I don't think you have. I think that's just going somewhere. Oh, I think we'll have to to wait and see where that one goes. Um, Dexter Lumis Lumis to be eventually paired with Shaq, wherever it is they're eventually found. (laughs) Uh, right, we had uh, that with Indy Hartwell before before we got the match. So Electra Lopez goes up to Zion Quinn uh, in the car park, and uh, there's some sexual tension there. Sige, uh, she she wishes uh, that he couldn't fight with you know doesn't have to fight Santos Escobar, but nevertheless, if this is going to happen, good luck in your upcoming match because you're going to need it. Perfect. Uh, Indy Hartwell, Persia Pryor. Same old thing is, Indy Hartwell is distracted. So uh, Ulyssa Leon and Valentina Froz actually get some good offense in. Missile drop kicks, moonsaults, all that sort of things. Uh, Leon gets a single leg crab. Eventually Hartwell fights out of it, makes the tag. Persia Pro wrecks both of them. Snake Eyes, X Factor, one, two, three. It's blatantly obvious where this is going. Hamlet, Persia Pro is going to get pissed off because Indy Hartwell is always distracted. It's just too wet. <laughs> is that off? Her sex with Dexter Lumis or of watching the potential sex between Electra Lopez and Zion Quinn in the prior segment. I think it's her missing her own full intercourse with Dexter Lumis's 9.5 inch cat. <laughs> NXT, NXT 9.5! <laughs> this is like not wrestling. It isn't professional wrestling, this. And, I'm, and I cover professional wrestling for a living. This is telling stories that mirror society. And I wish... <laughs> If Bruce Pritchard had never come back to this company, I might give half a toss about it. Yeah. And I know he's not the problem. He's the guy who says yes to the problem, but he's, as I said before, he's somehow more irritating. Indy Hartwell's too wet to concentrate on her professional wrestling job. Pathetic. Should we move on? We had, uh... Because she's such a mindless, horny woman who loves big cock so much. <laughs> That it impacts her performance as a professional like, wrestler. Like an advert you see. Horny local women need your cock. That's what it is a character right now. I hate this show. <laughs> oh, this is too wet. Uh, right. Drake, I, no one cares now. Drake, she I'm... only cares about cock. Like she's got championships to win. She's got friendship and partnership to maintain. <laughs> cock mad. Draco Anthony sat in a diner having a coffee, and he says his actions speak louder than words. Who's this? I don't know. <laughs> I that. The guy, the guy that has only spoken, telling us to not listen to his words. Come on, I'm Draco, aren't I? You see me? I, I for a split second thought he was going to be a vampire and got very excited that my blade prediction was going to be true. So he's having coffee, mm-hmm. and that is an act. Drinking coffee is an action. So he's going to be like Alexa Bliss again. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right, main event time. Johnny Gargano, Brian Breaker, and see who gets the uh, advantage at War Games. And it's, yeah, cunning git versus. Strong bastard, basically. Uh, Gargano puts him in a headlock, so he gets delayed vertical suplex by Breaker. Um, Breaker gets sent to the outside. Uh, slingshot dive. Too early to get ladders, though. Breaker runs Gargano over, brings ladder inside, and then Gargano fights back and hits him with the slingshot spear. Uh, and Gargano hits a tope into Breaker over the announce table to take us to the break. When we come back, uh, Bron Breaker's fighting back. And, oh, my God, this is when it really starts kicking off with the wild spots. The ladder's set up in the ring. 
and Breaker, belly-to-belly -belly suplexes Gargano into the ladder, goes up top to hit a big flying elbow drop or something, but Gargano moves out of the way. So this time, Breaker slams into the ladder. It looks like it's sucked from yeah. both of them. Uh, and then the ladder gets put up in the corner. Uh, Breaker gets sent face first into it, and Gargano is put on top of the ladder, and then Breaker lifts the ladder up as well. Gargano slips off. Breaker flips him off, so Gargano super kicks him. He's got the ladder on his head, basically, at this point. And then Breaker fights back. Super Frankensteiner off the top turnbuckle. Breaker sets up a ladder. Gargano cuts him off. They, they're doing the fight on top of the ladder now. Breaker gets twatted in the face by the briefcase. Uh, but as he goes down, he pulls Gargano off the ladder, catches him in midair, hits a power slam. That was a lovely spot. And then unhooks the briefcase. Uh, team 2.0 have the advantage heading into War Games, which is the right way round, probably. Um, but as the show started, it ends in the exact same way. A mass brawl to send us to War Games on Sunday. Yeah, I thought the storytelling was probably superior in this match, but the first match nailed the tone of a fight, which is far more important. Um, I liked how Bron Breaker sort of evolved mid-match learned mid-match, re-strategized mid-match. It was all right. It was decent, this. I think it was actually really good. Um, Johnny Gargano's timing positioning was just fabulous. He's mm. genuinely an incredible professional wrestler, and I hope to see the very best of him in about, what, a month's time? <laughs> Maybe even two weeks? Um, the spot where he snatched him from the ladder to do the finish was just tremendous. Yeah, that was really sick. good. Um, yeah, the storytelling was strong here. The work their asses off. They have got some potential in Bron Breaker, without oh, question. Yeah, like, without question. Um, yeah, this is all broadly very good, I thought. I remember a little while ago when the rumours of Gargano to AEW first came up that there was genuine debate, like all mostly in good faith, about um, whether or not AEW needed him or whether or not he was worthy of it and all that sort of stuff. And I think some of that, like for me, nailed on. Like I'd have him any day of the week. But one of the arguments was that what people had seen from him, his worst excesses, I guess, in NXT, meant that he wouldn't necessarily be able to contribute to AEW. I think at the last, there is something here that shows exactly what it is he's going to provide. What a, just a complete, fully formed, outstanding and elite tier professional wrestler Johnny Gargano is. Um, this was a difficult, so Bron Breakers, I'm not just saying like he's this, what I was a Suzuki line, but I can never actually remember it. Grey lump of trash. Perfectly smooth grey lump of boring trash. Breaker is more than those things, no matter how smooth and lumpy he is in his build. Um, but Champa in a straight up match couldn't do loads with him. This was a far more complex ask of Gargano. And I thought he really found something in Braun Breaker. You could, you could watch it happening. If you've watched enough wrestling, you could sort of watch it happening, him leading him through it. But that's okay, because that's what everybody should be doing in this role. Braun Breaker is the guy that needs bringing along. Gargano is the guy that needs to do the bringing. And I just, I liked watching that more than I liked watching the match, which is perhaps not a great advert for the match and perhaps mm. not a great advert for Braun Breaker not being ready. But nobody on this show is really ready. They're just going with people and hoping it works out. So if he can be led like this, more and more against some of the other wrestlers that are as capable, not that I think there are as many that are as capable as Johnny Gargano, then Breaker might be just fine. I think Gargano's going to absolutely rule in AEW. Like, I cannot... There have been glimpses, and it's especially been sort of in this last year where the circumstances have almost always worked against him. Kushida take over match aside, which I thought was dreadful. There have been so many times in the last year, year plus of NXT, where stuff just shouldn't buy rights work. Matches shouldn't buy rights be as good as they are. And Gargano's like really brought it. I think he's potentially coming in in a particularly unique vein of form mm. for AEW. I, I really, really hope he's signing. Well, there you have it. War Games this Sunday. We'll be reviewing it on Monday. Subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from, to hear that. And let us know your thoughts on last night's episode of NXT. But oh, on Twitter at What Culture WWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. And you get Michael Sidgwick's brilliant new book all about AEW. If you're Johnny Gargano and you need to, I don't know, study up before you head over there. Becoming All Elite is available right now. Uh, whatculture.bigcartel.com.
Com. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And as I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back later on today with the AEW Dynamite preview. But this has been the NXT 2.0 review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.